0: This episode of the Blue White Podcast is brought to you by Royal Thai Garden of a Beach. Royal Thai Garden, if you haven't eaten there, what the hell are you doing? Let's just play the song. You know they don't want to play the song. Oh, play the song. Play the song. Okay. <laughs> mm, no, no, no. 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 I You gotta ride to the
1: garden when you're in never beach and you need type food you gotta ride check check to check check garden. when you're looking for a tree need something to eat so saw what to call cause this restaurant can't be beat. Best fast high and ocean, right next to the ocean all your tasty favorites and
0: blue white podcast get 20 percent off your entire order blue white. that song is it's weird to think that old town road slash you know royal tie garden uh that came out this year like the song In this calendar year this calendar it's been a, year it's been a quite a year like how fast is the world changing that that song feels so completely outdated right well, now no it's 5780 It Uh, it could be the fact that we played it like 30 episodes Uh, in a row because we ran out of uh, sponsor content. Well, anyway, welcome to the Blue White Podcast. I'm Josh Michaels. And I'm Ryan Little. Let's do the drop. We often
2: hear holly meaning white person in a negative connotation, but it's a perfectly good word.
0: Welcome to the Blue High Podcast. Once again, I'm Ryan Little. He's Josh Josh Michaels. Michaels. Uh, Folks, this is going to be the second of our three final episodes of season two. Um, As we talked about on last week's episode... Uh, This one's going to be with Senator Kai Kahele, um, and then next week we're going to do our season two wrap-up, just Josh and I solo. Um, Stay tuned for that. But we are also joined by a very special guest today.
2: Delilah Astorales.
0: At HawaiiDelilah on Twitter. Uh, Delilah's in the studio with us. We are going to, in a moment, be interviewing our uh, new friend, Delilah's old friend, Senator Kai Kahele of Hilo, who, uh, in case you have not noticed, is running for Congress uh, previously, but no, longer,
1: but no longer against. No longer
0: against Tulsi Gabbard, <laughs> uh, who uh, we are all but 100 percent guaranteed now will be running as a third-party independent candidate, a la Jill Stein 2016. Oh, don't don't put that don't, don't you put that evil out there. You, you know don't she's doing you it. Don't put that evil out there. I'll
2: put that out There's there. There's
0: literally no reason for her to have made that whole "you are the queen of war" or whatever she said about Hillary Clinton, well, other than to say. Uh, I was going to not run as a third party candidate but when when the establishment led by Hillary Clinton came after me I knew that there was only one way to avoid this corrupt outcome and it was for me to run and enable an Donald Trump to be reelected. Exactly. Uh, uh you we're looking at you Wisconsin. Don't do it again. Well,
2: it's going to be really hard for her to run third candidate, third party candidate though if she does all of these big Wall Street donor events. And
0: if everybody hates her. Yeah. Cause 50/50. I have, yeah. It's, it's weird, her appeal. Her appeal is to, like, people who hate Trump, but they also hate Democrats, and so they're looking for somebody who, like, nominally has good policies, but at the same time, uh, they still feel like will kill brown people for them, and I yeah. think they feel, for some reason, like, Tulsi's that person. Well, interesting news, uh, interesting news coming out of
1: Tulsi's second-favorite country, Syria. Um, R.I.P. to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, excuse me, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, uh, who was?
0: Just read this <laughs> joke he <you> wrote, <laughs> guys. Y'all can't see this, but in our notes he wrote, Airbud Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs>
1: I'm proud of I'm proud of that one. Yeah, that so, so good. So the Army uh, Army Delta Rangers sent a uh, sent a sweet pup, sweet sweet good girl after him. Uh, she get, got him. She got him. Dog survived. Is expected to make a full recovery. Name still classified though. We don't know what this good girl's name is.
0: If you know or have a good idea of what this dog's name is, yeah. get in touch. Uh, oh
1: yeah, Trump. Trump's speech. Uh, for those of you who remember the, the gravitas with which uh, Barack Obama handled the Osama bin Laden thing, blah 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 blah. blah let's just know, just know that Donald Trump conducted himself exactly the same, and it was truly a unifying moment in it's American. Is the day history. that he
0: truly became president? Yes. Uh, Except for
1: the fact that like it all really happened in spite of him, because we're still selling out the Kurds. But that's neither here nor and there. And
0: he said he whimpered and, and died like a dog, like a dog. Well, mm-hmm. why would you say like a dog when the dog actually lived? Uh, um, speaking of...
1: About living and... Or speaking of people who died and then came back to life, Jesus Christ is a new big fan. <laughs>
0: That's Kanye West. Kanye West. Uh, Kanye says that God rewarded him with a $68 million tax refund for becoming born again. And all I got was a stupid amount of uh, intense shame. That's the prosperity gospel in action. I, it really is. I'm, I'm shocked. But it also makes sense because uh, as a Christian who's consumed a fair amount of Christian media... Uh, most of it's terrible. So and speaking of... So, what are your thoughts on his new album? Have you listened to it? I've, I have not listened to I've it. I've listened to it. Um, a couple of songs are okay. I think... I It's weird that he's... It's like he got back to the parts of himself that were good about like chopping up soul bits, um, which he alluded to in other albums um, and turning those into samples. But... Uh, In general, it's not nearly as melodic, and there's not, like, any hits on it. But I think it's still cool. I think it's a cool concept. I just don't know if it should have been an album. I love watching the videos from the live shows. Like, he went to... um, I think it was at Morehouse a couple of weeks ago. He went and just, like, showed up on the quad and did the whole Sunday service. It was awesome. It was very cool. So, anyways, I like that. Or maybe it was Howard. I think it was Howard, not Morehouse. Uh, If I'm wrong, correct me, listeners. I'm sure you will. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was because... Oprah went to one of them recently and did like a rose ceremony. And then she, some kid tried to take a selfie with like a cracked cell phone and then she bought him a new cell phone. She just sent it to him. Like, here's a brand new. It was like the iPhone 11 Pro or whatever. And so I remember there was like the same week, there was like two very significant HBCU news bits. And I just, I can't keep them straight in my head right now. Is that, I'm trying not to pay attention to the the one where
1: like the guy showed up and forgave all the loans, like commencement speaker. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That guy was super cool. Um, Hawaii-related news. Uh, it appears the Denver Broncos have ended the young career of Marcus Mariota. Hopefully not. You say hopefully? No, I said hopefully not. Hopefully not. It's kind of you know, as a Broncos fan, you like to take victories wherever you can. But
0: I mean, he's better than the yeah than Joe Flacco coming like right now. Finishing
1: like not being able to score against the Denver Broncos.
0: That's on more than just the quarterback. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it has to be. Well, and Tannehill's played really well since he's since he's been out. Well, well I think Mariota's got it. I think he just needs a better system. He needs a better coach. Broncos, I think he's put in a terrible position. Broncos should pick him up. I think he needs like maybe a year to just maybe like a year with Kansas City just to like learn under Andy Reid and then and then maybe he can go somewhere after that. Uh last question, Ryan.
1: Uh what did the three of us have in common with a federal judge? We all held Betsy DeVos in contempt. Oh, <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Uh, They imposed... She imposed a $100,000 fine for violating an order to stop collecting on the student loans owed by students of a defunct for-profit college. Basically, Betsy DeVos said, I know that you ordered me not to keep collecting on these scammy loans. But I'm going to anyway. These scammy junk loans, but... I don't care. Yeah, wow.
0: I don't care that it's
1: against the law, and I'm the Secretary of Education.
0: I'm sure that she'll face some sort of like major repercussion for that. Somebody's going to untie be an appropriate her. Appropriate sanction for her yeah. misbehavior. Somebody's going to untie her. eighth fiat. I don't know. She sucks. Yeah, she sucks. She sucks real bad. Very well, badly. Uh, wait, a hot new story by the Onion. Uh, this one's actually just kidding. We're dipping back into our archives. Report. China to overtake U.S. as world's biggest asshole by 2020. We're ahead of schedule. We're way ahead of schedule.
1: So Delilah, before we get to the interview, any piece of news on your end? Any any interesting developments since we last spoke?
2: In so far as developments go, I want to circle back to the whole Tulsi third third party thing. Can I say something about that? Of course you I'm can.
1: De- this is why you're here for expert political I, analysis. I
2: saw a poll this morning that actually shows that her her constituency is predominantly Republican. So i think it's weird yeah I, i'm not sure how she actually does this successfully when her constituency although you would say maybe jill stein it actually isn't attracting those people it's because actually attracting a republican constituency. i actually constituency. got into
0: a, uh, a little bit of a twitter argument as i am a sophisticated millennial and uh, <clears throat> the i think the point is republicans are fed up with trump his yeah. approval rating um it, with the rank and file is super high. Yes. But with people who sort of begrudgingly voted for him against right. Hillary Clinton, right. it's actually pretty low. Yeah. And those people are looking for an option. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what Tulsi does is that she diverts them away from whoever the ultimate Democratic nominee is, yeah. is... She gives them an out to say, "Well, I don't want to vote Democratic because whatever abortion." Plus, especially, or...
2: it depends on who the nominee oh. is too, as well. And, well and can, it, can it, think an,
0: about what yeah. you're admitting if you if culturally we have such entrenched entrenched identities um, that align with our political parties. Think about what you're really fundamentally admitting if you vote Democratic. Exactly. You're 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 contravening your entire identity, yeah. and I think Tulsi represents for those people a way of like a sort of conscience vote. Um, in right. the same way that Jill Stein did for swing voters in 2016. Plus
1: right. uh, weird libertarian dudes on Twitter think right. she's hot. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's like 90% of it yeah. is weird yeah. libertarian dudes yeah. who think she's hot. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh,
0: a couple other things before we jump in the interview. Number one, Louis K. Lohoff filed from divorce from Catherine K. Lohoff, uh which is surprising. Uh, uh, hopefully they can work it out. Love is a, love is a fickle thing. Um, the Banner Society uh, named Cole McDonald its Player of the Week uh last week after his just dominating performance against whole, New Mexico Do you State. want to read the
1: do you want to read the um citation or the 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 salutation or whatever the
0: term The is. Bradley Van Pelt Award seeks to celebrate the most college football type college football player. There are other awards, sure, but this one salutes the players who make this sport the vibrant, uneven, and eccentric thing we love. Nothing gets more vibrant, uneven, and eccentric than Hawaii's offense. Um other than that, Look ladies and gentlemen, yeah, Kai Kahele coming up in a minute. Stay tuned. He's probably going to be the next congressman. Blue Hawaii Podcast.
2: Blue Hawaii.
1: Ooh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. We are here bringing you not just one, but two legends. awesome interviews. Legends. Absolute legends. Yes. Uh, a new friend and a former friend. Uh, current friend. Wait, <laughs> former friend? Former. No. Well, I don't want to describe Did something her. Something happened that I didn't, I didn't want know to describe about? her as old friend. That's rude. Oh, okay. Okay. But anyway, we have with us here in the studio. Senator Kai Kahele, who is running for Congress, Hawaii District 2, and our dear friend and one of his proud early supporters, Twitter's finest, at HawaiiDelilah. Uh, Delilah, thank you for joining us today. You You're had welcome. the you had to fly over via what was recently named the worst medium-sized airport in the country. How did it go? <laughs> so that's a tram. Yeah? Oh,
0: we can't even do a damn tram. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Senator Kehele, thank oh, you so much for joining us. Aloha.
1: Yes. Thanks for having me. So you describe yourself as a husband, dad, combat veteran, union member, LGBTQ plus ally, progressive, state senator, proud Democrat, candidate for Congress in high two,
0: and a bleeping tiger on the trail. Yes,
1: tiger on the tail. Tiger on the trail. The tiger on the tail, on the, on the tail is tail. now on the trail. There we go. There yes. we go. Thank
0: you. Yep. This is but, the improv portion of the podcast, Senator. So I, I wear,
1: not, a, I totally wear a, a lot of hats. Yes. <laughs> so how, how are you doing today? I'm great. Having a great day. Okay. Now we could we could dive right in, but first, why don't you t- tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Well, you know, I. Uh, Like I said, I wear a lot of hats like you just described, you know, and uh, the most important thing is, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father, um, live in Hilo on Hawaii Island, and, uh, you know, I'm a working dad, you know, and and, uh, just like many other working families across Hawaii, you know, uh, unfortunate circumstances led uh, to an incredible opportunity a few years ago, and and I get the honor of serving uh, the people of Hawaii. In the state senate, where I uh, am currently a senator for Hilo, almost hard to believe. I never thought I'd be in this situation less than four years ago when my uh, dad passed away.
0: Yeah, what was your path to um, into politics? I mean, obviously, like you said, tragic circumstances with your father passing away. But um, how how did your how did you start and how did you get here?
3: I was born in 1974. All the way back. Okay, my dad uh, had a random meeting in a living room in Mililani um, with young Dan Akaka and my dad was a young Hawaiian um, rabble rouser in the late 1970s and uh, met uh, who would then become Senator Akaka and they um, you know developed a friendship uh, made an incredible impression on my dad this young Hawaiian back in uh, 1976 and, and my dad had since then, was involved in Democratic Party politics for the last 40 years. And so I grew up in that um, since I was two years old. I grew up in the Democratic Party of Hawaii. I grew up uh, in political campaigns. I grew up seeing the world uh, and Hawaii through the uh, lens of my dad. And Mm -hmm. that made a big impression on me as uh, somebody who was a little boy. You know, I often joke that one of my earliest experiences that I can remember as as a... Political activism was going door knocking for then uh, Neil Ag- Abercrombie in the early 1980s was running for Congress, and you know that's that's my story.
1: What do you think? I mean, you know,
3: you're clearly
1: your dad obviously shaped you know who you are, your your outlook, how you serve your constituents. Uh, what, what do you think his reaction would be in our in our post 2016 political world? You know,
3: Donald Trump is president. You're running for Congress. I think he'd be disappointed. You know, my dad was a proud uh, Native Hawaiian, but he was just as much a proud American, somebody who served his country in the United States Marine Corps, had experienced um, the civil rights movement in the early 1960s right at the heart of the civil rights struggle in America, um, which made an impact on on his life at 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 an early age. You know, I think my dad was part of that generation that, you know, is, is slowly, we're losing many, many um, great leaders of that generation. Senator Akaka, for example, Senator Inouye, for example, um, who um, were able to work across the, uh, the party aisles with um, their counterparts. For example, Senator Inouye and Senator Ted Stevens from Alaska, right? We all know that great relationship that they had and, and these were um, leaders that uh, had military service, were part of that greatest generation that helped lead America after World War II and knew how to work together. And that's something that is lost today in the United States Congress, where partisan politics would draw the line in the sand uh, along party lines. And uh, and and I think he would be disappointed at where the country is today. Yeah. So if do you
0: intend, if elected to CD2, to be that... Across the aisles, type person. Absolutely, you know. Is it possible with you uh, know? You see, like the guys running and storming the skiff,
1: uh, Matt Gates and his team. Sure. Like, are, is it possible to to compromise with those you
3: people? know? I take myself back to sitting in that C seventeen cockpit in Ramstein, Germany, preparing to uh, take off on a mission to Iraq, and um, sitting alongside an active duty pilot who I've never met before. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, load masters in the back who I've never met before. And we don't introduce ourselves in the cockpit and say, hey, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? Are you pro choice? Are you pro life? You know, we're like, how do we get the mission done? How, how do we get the task at hand done today? And how do we put all of those things aside uh, to put country first, to put our people first, um, to get the mission done? So, I mean, that's a background that I bring as somebody who. Um, has had to work in those types of environments before, and I think that's what we need in the United States Congress: is people um, working together, you know, for for uh, the greater good of the country.
0: Well, so I guess what I want to know, because I'm I'm originally from Alabama, and uh, sorry, well, listeners, time. I know you've heard "War Dam Eagle." Uh, oh, oh. Come on now, you know it was fifty <laughs> yeah, fifty. I true, thought I'd true. give it a shot, man. Shot in the dark here. Clearly, I, you, I have
3: uh, Auburn friends that uh, tell me the same thing. Also.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, so I, I, you know, being from Alabama, like I, I grew up in an, in an environment where it's not work across the aisles. It's uh, destroy. Democrats are scum. You know what I mean? Like if, if that's where you're starting from, if you're if you're dealing with a, you know, Nancy Pelosi wants to kill your babies. Yeah, like if you're dealing with you know something like a Matt Gates or a, you know any Enjoy. of any of people of his ilk, how do you? Maybe because we're we're living in Hawaii and our culture is work together, you know, but like if you're from somewhere where it's just total war, you know, uh, scorched earth, how do you manufacture those
3: relationships to be
0: effective
3: at getting the job done? Well, you got to start somewhere, um, you know, coming from Hawaii, we have this uniqueness about us. It's called Aloha, that Absolutely. Aloha spirit. And and I'm looking forward to bringing that to the United States Congress, just as though uh senator akaka you know is the embodiment of the aloha spirit you know and and uh i think we got to start somewhere you know but i think where our country is right now we're on a very dangerous um very destructive um path and and we need to it's going to be a lot of hard work but that's the type of leadership you need in congress and those are the types of leaders you need there you know and it's going to take reaching across the out. it's going to take finding common ground um Come into an agreement on what we agree on, rather than what we disagree on. Or you know, what can we take off the table? You know, what do we all agree on? Yeah. And uh, what values do we stand for as Americans? What does America stand for? You know, and I think that's being put to its greatest test today. Well, it
0: it's actually leads into a, another question, which is, you know, what do you? What is your? What are your priorities as a as a candidate? What are your
3: priorities as a legislator at the national level? you know, it's it's fighting for working class families. You know, I, I, I have had the opportunity to travel throughout Hawaii and to listen to families that live in the second congressional district, which is one of the most difficult districts in the country um, to represent because it's spread out across the eight Hawaiian islands. You can't, um, drive there, you can't take a bus there, you have to fly there, and in many cases, you have to take a uh, ferry if you want to go over to Lanai. Um, that's what matters to people. You know, What does the future of our economy look like? What does um, the future of education look like? How you know am I going to be able to have health care if I need it, especially in our rural communities? So those are some of the core issues that I want to help champion in, in uh, Washington, D.C. And then a lot of these other more national issues that are important as well. Healthcare is clearly one of them and, and always has been, you know.
1: You mentioned uh, you know, your 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 dad's background in civil rights and how civil rights people power movement inspired you and continues to inspire you. And you know, you stood up and you took an active role on Mauna Kea, you know, making your making your opinion known, you know, offering to lead on the issue. Um, CD2, you've got not just Mauna Kea, but now Waimanalo, Kahuku. These, so these fundamental civil rights issues uh, all over the district. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the approach you'd bring and how you hope to, uh, not that this can so easily be resolved, but uh, what, what can leadership do, really, that's not being done now?
3: I mean, I think you touched on it, right? Three of the most divisive, polarizing issues right now in the state of Hawaii are in the second congressional district. Um, and and f- people feel very passionate about these issues and um, it's a balance between um, it's your, your classic tug of war between business, community, the environment, projects that um, have gone through the process that our laws have put in place to um, or the regulatory process to approve them, but still haven't gotten buy-in from the community. And I think that's where we see um, government has, not done a good enough job of embracing the community and listening to their their concerns, and not every project is meant for every community. And I think that's what we see right now on the three different issues that you touched on. Yeah, it's uh, it's people that have lost trust in government, people that feel their voices are not being heard, communities that feel their voices are not being heard, uh, and 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 want not just a seat at the table, but they want to be recognized. Yeah. You know, they don't want to j- just be rubber-stamped, and, and that's what the process um, does right now. No and justice,
1: and not every legal decision brings justice.
3: Absolutely, and and th- there are many examples of issues. You touched on civil rights in the 1960s um, that took c- civil disobedience, nonviolent disobedience, to change the course of history, you know, and, and not every, op- every time government is right, and it takes people standing up for what they believe in, um, and uh, you know to to make a change and that's what I think what we're seeing now so the um, the name
1: a name we haven't mentioned yet and uh, over the past week I'm sure your campaign has gotten a little more interesting a little you know a little more national spotlight why is that Uh, (laughs) so originally you entered the race uh, trying to primary congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard and never never (laughs) originally and uh, Hawaii Dalala can back me up here uh, the the original show plan was like oh this can't be too hard we just talk for 45 minutes about how crazy she is um you know there's a i guess there's a lot of natural contrasts but similarities that would have made for a really compelling race you know um i was lot, excited yeah a lot of what you said about you know that military experience going in nonpartisan, it's not about teams uh you showed them what aloha is we
0: should give work- a little bit of context that tulsi said crochet to uh running for re-election that's right good, that's goodbye in russian yeah nice um, appropriate laughter from so, so appropriate parties
1: things things that you've said um, very like good sounding proper lines sound like she might have said similar stuff um, we'll go to you know we'll let the listeners decide who would be a little more credible in those promises but with her out of the race how are you seeing the race shape out now um, as the presumptive front runner you know has that changed your approach like what's been going on are you enjoying the new spotlight is it unexpected is it
3: uh, it's a little unexpected you know I, our team and, and myself was preparing to run against Congresswoman Gabbard yeah. and uh, um, fundamentally the race doesn't change yeah. um, although she has decided not to seek re-election you know we just continue to do what we've been doing 10 months ago you know 10 months ago we got into this race on January 21st 2019 and um it was because i strongly felt that the second congressional district was not being represented did not have full-time representation you said you know you compared a lot of things she had said in the past to what i had said Mm -hmm. but honestly over the last few years that's what not what has been happening you know our our member of Congress was not coming home on congressional work days, was not doing town halls, was not engaging with the media, wouldn't even debate debate her primary opponent, would not even acknowledge or debate her, her primary opponents who were credible opponents. And, uh, that's not just, that's just, that's, that's not Hawaii politics. It's not politics in general. You know, it's not being a transparent, accountable, um, elected official who is accountable to the public. And so, um, that's what I intend to do. That's a difference between the incumbent and what my candidacy would be and how I would represent the district is I would some be someone who fully represents the second congressional. So. so would you rather go on Hannity or Tucker Carlson if you had to? I don't know. uh, (laughs) I'd like to actually follow up with I was actually going to turn. Are you ready to jump in? Yeah, Yeah, I'd like to
2: follow up with that question because, um, you know, Tulsi Gabbard has been on a lot of Fox News shows. Basically, um, we've got an impeachment inquiry going on right now, and she has, she basically came late to the table in terms of being for the impeachment inquiry, and then since then has somewhat backed off once she did give her her support for it. Yet she does tend to go on Fox shows to express her opinion about that. And so circling back to what Ryan said about, you know, differences, differentiations uh, on between you and her, and and also in terms of Hawaii's representation, where we 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 we, um, we try to work with people across the, across the lines, is that possible in terms of the context of impeachment? And in 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 that regard, do you what's your stand in so far as the impeachment inquiry to the to this point?
3: Well, I mean, I think clearly the battle lines are drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, politics in the media is is probably most divisive I've ever seen. Right. Um, and and our country is being put to a test right now, mm-hmm. you know. And and like you had said, I completely support our congressional delegations' yeah. um, support of the speaker's impeachment inquiry. Mm-hmm. It looks like tomorrow they're going to be um, putting that um, question to the full house right. for a vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've always supported that early on, even in the uh, the early um, part of this month when when that was. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out and we learned more about what this administration and a president in particular um, had done and uh, you know i support that you know i think the fundamental question is did the president of the united states ask a foreign government and a foreign leader to dig up dirt on a political rival yes Yes. and And, yes he did (laughs) and mess with the 2020 elections and if he did do that and that is an impeachable offense, mm-hmm. and that's he has to be hold, held accountable for that. That's the story. Right. You know, the media is trying to spin this in all kinds of different directions, but that's a fundamental question. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, the House has they have to uphold the Constitution, right? And so they got to do their job. <laughs> and uh, and so, regardless of what, let's forget about what the United States Senate may do. Let's wait until we get we cross that bridge. The House has to do their job. I support. Uh, what the speaker is doing, and we need to let this process play out, as bitterly divisive as it may be, um, we need we need to know did the president break the law?
0: Right. So, Dalila, I have a question for you. Yes. So, uh, well, Delilah we should we should note actually lives in congressional district yes. too. Yes, I do. Yeah, Maui. we're CD one voters. We're we're townies. Yeah, a bunch of townies. Uh,
2: <laughs> Maui no kaioi. So. <laughs> um, no.
0: So, you know, uh,
1: anybody who follows you on Twitter will know you're no fan of Congresswoman Gabbard. So or initially, uh, you got interested in this campaign and, and supporting the senator uh, as a primary
2: opponent or as a primary challenger. Right. That's, it's not it's not a secret. I've been very public about the fact that I, you know, I supported Shea Chan-Hodges you know, in 2016, Sherry, you know, in 2018. And um, and now, because I do believe that we do need better representation in, in the district.
1: And even though now it's going to be an, an open primary, you're still sticking with him? Yeah. That's all right. So tell us tell us, why, tell us why you like him. Tell our listeners, more importantly.
2: Well, I think for, uh, on a number of issues, I think, um, you know, Kai's very, he, he embodies that aloha spirit as he, you know, as he spoke to, but on the issues, He's actually a solid, progressive, reliable vote on every issue that probably is important to Democratic voters. And um, and I think that I can trust him, and I think Hawaiian voters can trust him to be a, to be a representative voice for us in D.C. Yeah,
0: actually, so speaking, uh, you said you anticipate that um, Senator Kahele would be a—, a an advocate for Hawaiian voters and Hawaiian citizens in mm-hmm.
1: D.C. Um, Hawaii, Hawaii. Well, I
0: was, I, yeah. I was actually going to. Are you going to the, sofe- the sovereignty oh, question? No, not necessarily oh. sovereignty, just more um, at the federal level. Um, how, you know, because your district is overwhelmingly per capita more Hawaiian than is CD1. Um, right. How, how would you represent Hawaiian specific interests at the federal level because we, we get a lot of questions about that from our listeners who um, a number of them are native hawaiian in
3: whole or in part um, how would you advocate for them at the federal level well first of all as someone who is a native hawaiian whose family comes from one of the most native hawaiian places in all of hawaii you know the last hawaiian fishing village in Miluli'i, Um i have a sense of obligation to the native Hawaiian community. And I, I, amongst other things, I really believe that one of the four members of Hawaii's congressional delegation should be of native Hawaiian ancestry. What a radical
0: idea. Radical <laughs> idea. You know, we
3: are, this, we, are, we are the Hawaiian Islands, right? Uh, um, Sandwich
0: Isles is what the British called them. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Please direct your complaints
1: well, <laughs> to right, me. And, and, and
3: what you allude to is a um dark history yeah yeah. absolutely in these islands um from the perspective of the indigenous native hawaiian peoples here and uh i learned about that history early on my dad made sure i knew about our history he was part of that hawaiian renaissance of the late 1970s and early 1980s and um that's a that's something that i bring to this this race right as someone who is a native hawaiian knows what that uh means and who Whose DNA, you know, exists in me, there's an obligation I have to the Native Hawaiian community, the federal government plays a critical role in the economic prosperity um, in the overall success of the Native Hawaiian community through the Hawaiian Homes Commission Act, the Native Hawaiian Health Care Act, all the programs that they help fund um, in education and health care, and so, um, you know, I, I think that's something that's really important, um, and We'll just have to see. You know, Senator Akaka, he had a, a path forward um, through federal recognition. It's not uh, necessarily embraced by all of the Native Hawaiian sure. community, but that's a conversation I think we need to have, You know, is what does the future of the Native Hawaiian community look like um, in its unique role with the United States of America? Yeah. It started with the apology resolution of 1993 um, that President Clinton... Um, um, signed under his administration, but what do we do from there? What does the future of Native Hawaiians look like? You know, often people want to compare Native Hawaiians to um, Native Americans and Native Alaskans, but we're not really in that boat. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because Native Hawaiians, we had a recognized sovereign government. We had a kingdom. We had treaties with international nations. Um, Our country was, our kingdom was overthrown Mm -hmm. with the help of the United States of America. And and that's something that has to be fixed and and answered, even if it happened 125 years ago. You know, we have to answer that question, and and I think that's again a unique perspective I bring to our delegation. Yeah,
1: Clear, clearly, as we saw, like during the DO, the Department of Interior hearings. Uh, this is something
3: that can't be imposed from the outside. This is going to have to come from it's Native gotta Hawaiian got to come themselves. from the internal. Yeah. Anytime we try to impose something yeah. on Native Hawaiians, it never works out. Yeah. Look at Monaco yeah, as exactly. a classic example. Do you
1: have yourself
3: uh, a vision or
1: a, an, an ideal goal to drive toward? Or in the process of building community and
3: having those conversations, you would be amenable to seeing what comes out? I, I, you know, I would love to go out. And, and do community workshops and and uh, conversations across the state to see where we are now. You know, I know the DOI came through several years ago. Those are very tough conversations and public meetings that the DOI had. Um, I think it's a conversation we need to have, and it's kind of dropped off since uh, Senator Akaka passed away, um, the new Trump administration.
1: Yeah, no friend of any minority or indigenous right. people anyway. I'm I'm
3: fully convinced that uh if given the opportunity, they would repeal the Hawaiian Homes Commission Act. Yeah. Right. They would uh right. Absolutely. They are not friends. Oh, this of is just
1: reverse racism.
3: Like <laughs> indigenous uh um you know our indigenous uh, communities. And okay. so um that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. The US Supreme Court. Yeah. So switching
1: gears and something that may end up in front of the US Supreme Court. Um the NCAA announced today that it's going to allow players and universities to profit off of player likenesses
3: oh i would have loved that when i was, I was playing volleyball say, yeah, at the university of like hawaii you
1: played on the uh the number one uh bose team with yep. uh with uval cats and a bunch of other legends legends yeah tell it i mean we can talk about that and the glory days but also how do you think about you know the future of the college football amateurism should they should players be paid
3: you know as somebody who was a collegiate athlete yeah. and put in an incredible amount of time and uh hard work into yeah. that 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 craft, you know, and being the best volleyball player I could be. Um and having the NCAA and and universities across the country profit from that. I, I completely exactly. see that point yeah. where um athletes um should be compensated for the time and effort they put into that. You know, when I was there, I was satisfied with um the a free meal plan and and a scholarship and books you know and and room and board but uh um you know I think things have evolved since I played collegiate volleyball almost 25 years ago and uh and obviously it's moving in a new direction especially for elite athletes that come from uh um whether it's basketball or football and um yeah I mean it's we'll have to see what happens but I would have liked it. <laughs> I don't know how much I would have been worth, you know. But uh, I could serve a pretty good jump uh, jump serve. You
0: know? Respect. That's yeah. right. Can you still serve a pretty good jump serve?
3: I can try. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Can you yeah. still throw down? I could I could throw it on. We have our annual UH, uh alumni game now every uh, every year, and I do get back on the court and. And for some reason, the ball moves a lot faster than it did 25 years ago. It, it must uh, the game is the has composition evolved. of the ball. I don't know. Yeah. You yeah. try to
0: get, like, congressional intramurals going?
1: Like, I know they have the you softball know, if game. If they have like... a
3: team, I, I definitely would be on that. And, I, yeah.
0: You know, it, this was I a real wait. surprise to me, actually, when I moved to Hawaii. Because down south, men's volleyball is not a thing.
3: Like I didn't know it was a sport anybody it's duck did. hunting. What's the thing in the south? <laughs> do, uh,
0: let's see, race toss. a big molotovs at the floorball. <laughs> we do. Uh, it's football, and then our, I guess our second popular sport would probably be football, and then third would be football, and then there's like maybe basketball for like a week.
3: You know, I was I was based at Columbus Air Force Base, Mississippi. Okay, about fifty minutes from uh, Tuscaloosa, and had wow. driven down to uh, watch a few. Uh, Alabama football games, it is unlike anything I've ever seen it's before. It's crazy, man. It it's is crazy. unbelievable. And if you think SEC Glasgow, you football Auburn. It's something else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of my best friends uh, who is a uh, F-16 fighter pilot for the Montgomery Air National Guard unit That's is, where I'm uh, from yeah. is a War Eagle, Auburn uh, Auburn graduate, and he would remind me of that often. Oh, oh,
1: 100,000 so 100, fans and 10 last names.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got a question yeah, that has least. nothing to do with sports. We so, can keep talking yeah. SEC football. We, we all we, don't we okay do okay with that. As
0: long as you don't talk about last weekend's Auburn LSU game, I'm fine.
2: Okay. Well, I, but I do have it because it's 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 of interest to me because sure. you know, you know I I write about foreign policy for a living. It's important to me. So I I want to ask you a question about what your thoughts are as regards Trump's decision to um, to uh, remove the troops from northeastern Syria and um, the effects that it has upon our alliances, specifically the, um, the deleterious effect on the Kurdish population there. You come from a military background. You have that experience. What are your thoughts in terms of that particular um, move, the effects, and what what your thoughts are in terms of would you, if you were in Congress, would you support um, a redeployment to the region?
3: You know, I fundamentally disagree with the president's decision. I think it's one of many of the worst decisions that he will have ever made in his hopefully short presidency. Um, you know, as somebody who is an airman, um, is a combat veteran, and, and still serves today in the Hawaii Air National Guard as a lieutenant colonel and has spent many deployments to both Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, I'd be the first to stand with anyone to champion global peace and um, the ultimate diplomacy, maximum diplomacy efforts. But the fact of the matter is we just cannot let brutal dictators go unchecked throughout the world. Um, We have to be a global leader along with our allies. And uh, um, that's something that's really important. You know, when I first deployed to Afghanistan in 2005, uh, we worked with our international coalition of allies. We worked together. We ate together. We fought together. um, Fought the war on terrorism together. And what the president is doing in northern Syria is, is, um, is just the wrong decision. You know, we shouldn't be deserting our Kurdish allies who have... Helped to stabilize that part of a very unstable part of uh, our world has helped to um, reverse the threat, the threat of ISIS mm-hmm. uh, in in uh, northern Syria, and I just think it's a catastrophic mistake that the president has made, and and it's going to destabilize the region, and it's ultimately going to leave when we leave, someone is going to fill that vacuum. Who is that? That's Putin. That's Russia, and it's mm-hmm. Assad. Yeah. Exactly. Right. We have three million. Um, uh, Kurdish North, Kurdish people live in Idlib, yeah. and they're going to be, you know, put at great risk yeah. and potential ethnic cleansing by Assad and by um, the leader of Turkey right. and and with Russia. And that's um, it's a catastrophic mistake. Yeah. We need to keep our troops there who are there, and okay. and we need to stand by um the uh kurdish allies that we've been we've been working side by side with well you know? i'm sure
2: that it, that's personal for you too because as somebody who is um who's you know served this country america's words should mean something and so when you you know when you represent this country it has an effect when our uh, the rest of the world actually looks at us as being an unreliable ally so it it, it, it also has an effect not just in you know in terms of the Middle East, but it also would have an effect, for example, with NATO allies and things like that, since Erdogan is, you know, from Turkey, he, that is one of our, our supposed NATO allies. It's probably the yeah, worst we, NATO ally restore, but I it's mean, the NATO allies.
1: Restoring restoring nuclear weapons under Erdogan's you know not directly, but under his custody. That's
2: right. what yes, he's asking exactly. for now, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah.
3: That's what he's asking for. And we just removed all <sighs> economic sanctions. Mm-hmm. I think that was just uh um window dressing that yes. the president had done. You know, yeah. I've been to Turkey. I have uh stayed and um flew into Incirlik Air Base um and many, many times. It's a very strategic location for the United States, right? It is the um gateway into northern I- Iraq. And and it's uh you know, Turkey is a, a NATO ally, right? They're a member of NATO and and you know I think one of the most disturbing things i saw last week that many um across our country saw was when our troops were leaving northern syria and they were throwing rocks and tomatoes know, exactly. rather than uh when we arrived and they threw flowers and yes. that uh i can't imagine being one of those army soldiers um experiencing that it, it has to be one of the um exactly. most disappointing things I've ever seen as somebody who has worn the uniform, has proudly worn the American flag on my shoulder, and uh, has fought for this country, and has taken an oath to uphold the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just distur- disturbing. Yeah, and,
1: and, we put in, you know, 15 plus years and thousands of American lives and hundreds of thousands of other Middle Eastern lives for, for this,
3: for, for Donald Trump to decide, eh, screw him. It, and kind of, I think that's where I, I fundamentally... Disagreed with um, uh, the incumbent, yes. you know, is you cannot gas yes. your Achieve, own people. Uh, you, you cannot explain complex foreign policy in three words. Yeah. Exactly, you know, and uh, and so, yeah.
2: Well, you know, I I just sort of to pivot a little bit to like the national level and the 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 Democratic primary, for example, um, often when people are asked a question about, um, uh, about foreign policy, uh, many candidates tend to say that at the presidential level, well, you know, um, I'm not for endless wars. My question then is finish the sentence. So if you're not for endless wars, what comes the, what, what happens then? What, what is your, your um, national security slash you know, foreign policy orientation? And although you're running for Congress, I'd kind of like an idea of what that, is, that would be. I mean, again, I
3: think it's, it's we um, strive for global peace. We strive for a peaceful world. Um, we strive for diplomacy. But we also realize as a superpower that we need to be a global leader. And we need to be a global leader, right. not by ourselves, but with a coalition of allies that we have had right. since World War II and uh, at the end of World War II. And um, how you achieve that, how we demonstrate strength mm-hmm. is is a key part of our foreign policy. You know, we have to be that shining beacon of freedom and democracy and hope mm-hmm. um, that, that we um you know, provide to people all over the world. And and we have to lead. America has to lead. Yeah, I um, think
2: what what we also saw is, you know, over successive administrations, regardless of whether they're Republican or Democratic, there's still this ethos, if you will, of multilateralism. And, um, and I think what we're seeing right now is a departure from that. So would you support a return to more multilateralism in terms of how we address um, conflicts around the world?
3: I think it's important that we, we work together with... Uh, uh, a coalition of of countries that um, and, and so so America isn't being looked at as being the global police, right. right? We we can't be the global police of the world, but we also, like I said earlier, cannot allow brutal dictators right. to go unchecked throughout yes. the world.
1: Oh, but Trump Tower Istanbul is going to be tremendous. Have you? I mean. No, no. <laughs> well, so it's, it's good. Um, you know, the incumbent right now sits on the foreign, the House Foreign Affairs Committee, so like foreign foreign policy is going to be relevant, especially you know all the way out here in the Pacific. Um, let's just, what about what about the Asia Pacific region? You know, you've got climate change, very similar. Yeah, Polynesia, Micronesia, Melanesia all being threatened by climate exactly. change. Yeah. Um, the Japan South Korea U.S. alliance is fraying. You know, China is in the ascendancy. North Korea remains totally unchecked. Hong Kong's blowing. Uh, Hong up Hong Kong's right blowing now. up. But yeah.
3: what about what about the other side of the world? What are your What are your thoughts? You know, I mean, it's what we're seeing in North Korea, what we're seeing in China, has a lot of similarities to what we're seeing in the Middle East. You know, and and that's kind of my bread and butter. That's my backyard. You know, I've operated in the Pacific Theater in um, Indo paycom US Indo paycom and uh, um, again, that's you know we we need to answer those emerging threats that are coming from North Korea, that are coming from uh, the South China Sea, that are coming from Indonesia, and, and how do we answer that, you know, is, is, is again a fundamental question of how we lead.
2: I, so I, I wanna pivot a little bit to okay. domestic just for a question okay. because, yeah, go ahead. you know, in Hawaii, as it's true in many states across the country, um, uh, healthcare is very expensive. We're having a huge debate nationally, yeah. you know, about, you know, health care, about um, things like, you know, do we move to Medicare for all? Do we, you know, uh, protect the ACA, Obamacare? Um, or, you know, do we just trash the whole thing as the Republicans would like? Do you have thoughts about where your positioning would be in I so don't far? I
3: support the Republicans' position.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we just let
3: Cigna
1: yes, and good Kaiser <laughs> yes. do whatever they want. <laughs>
3: like, you know, the, I think the ACA was always a first step. Right. In how do we um, provide the ultimate goal? Was it which is healthcare for everyone throughout our country? Mm-hmm. You know where healthcare should be a right, not a privilege. That if you're sick, you can go to the doctor. You know if it won't ruin um, your life. And it won't yes, ruin your exactly. life. You know, yeah. and yeah. if you need to buy prescription medications, it doesn't cost More hundreds yeah. and hundreds of mm-hmm. dollars. Unjustifiably, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, that's something I. My candidacy brings another unique perspective to this race because as somebody who is in the military, I have experienced... Socialized medicine. The VA, the VA healthcare yeah. system. <laughs> you know, my both of my daughters were born at Tripler Army Medical Center. I've been um, in the military's healthcare system for over 18 years. Mm-hmm. And and we, it's not the best system. Uh, it can use uh, a lot of work. Nothing is perfect. But it's a great example of providing healthcare... Um, uh, to to our our country and and other global leaders and other global countries do that as well right and that's something that we need to strive for so the ultimate goal is how can you provide more healthcare um, at a reduced cost um, uh, to people all over America and I think the AC is a step in the right direction
2: so so can I get you like so are you for Medicare for all I or support you for- Medicare for all right okay I but support Medicare for all but you're but you'd also be for, for example, um, a public option if that were the next sort of bridge uh, legislation. I, I mean, I think these
3: are conversations that we have to continue to have and evolve. Obviously, they're having at the presidential level. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, the ultimate goal is a healthcare system that is that is affordable and is available to all, okay. and uh, and just like we do in other countries, regardless um, of label. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know. And but, but won't somebody think of the shareholders? <laughs> And the CEOs, like, you know. You know, we have a, again, we have a military healthcare system where it's government funded. We have government hospitals. We have government paid uh, physicians. There you go. You know, we do it. Mm-hmm. It's It comes back to what are the priorities for our country? What are the cornerstones of what America stands for? Tax cuts for the rich. Healthcare should be one of those cornerstones. <laughs> and uh, um, I think an investment in our healthcare system is an investment in America. And a healthier community... Um, uh, is going to pay huge dividends ac- across America, and so that that is something I support is Medicare for all. But I think you need to; it needs to be a phased in right. approach, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much conversation. Well, what about the private insurance and the private exactly. uh, marketplace? Exactly. It has to be something that is phased in over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, again, the ultimate goal is how do we provide healthcare to everyone?
0: It's interesting, you mentioned the VA because it's been much maligned as a delivery mechanism for health care. But when you think about it, like you said, it covers the entire armed services. Free at point of
3: need. Yeah. Free, millions. Yeah, millions, millions of people. Million, um, act, current active duty, National Guard, reservists, retirees that, that have qualified for health care. They all fall under our military health well, system. And
0: it's funny too because the, the complaints about the VA are that primarily stem from the fact that it's just under resourced and it's under resourced because we keep sort of raiding the VA budget to pay for tax cuts for the rich. You know, like it's, it's not that the VA itself is a broken system inherently the idea of covering everybody is not a broken idea it's that priorities if you mm-hmm. if you say we're going to cover everybody then it's going to require money and if you keep diverting money over to you know foreign wars and tax cuts for apple then you're yeah. like you're not going to be able to pay for the stuff you're you gonna need you're not going to be able to pay for it. and i think you're sort of getting at a, at a fundamental issue there which is that we're not we're not adequately funding the things that yeah. matter in this country and do we
1: need 100 more f35s or do we need student loan forgiveness and healthcare. I think well, it's 400, 400 like
3: 50 is what the order was I saw today.
0: Well so I, I mm-hmm. my question is uh as a as a voting member of Congress um how what priorities would you de-emphasize that are currently emphasized and
3: what priorities would you vote to fund that are currently defunded? You know, I think it comes you, you talked about it and tax cuts, right? That that we have a cash flow problem and we have a cash flow problem because under this administration, we dramatically reduced taxes that the um, richest 1% in our country uh, currently pay, you know, and that has to be immediately addressed um, because if we don't have money to pay for things and it's difficult to pay for things, we also need to make government more efficient um, and and fund the things that are important to us. So, um, you know, it's gonna it's going to come down to where do we get the money to do it. Right? So, and I've looked at other plans that are proposed and put on the table, and I think, you know, I mean, it's a step in the right direction.
2: So to get you on the record, that that tax scam bill that was passed by then the Republican-led Congress, if that came up for repeal, and you were in Congress, you would vote to repeal that tax scam. Absolutely. That was a terrible and vulgar transfer of wealth from the donor. They're not even pretending anymore. To uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> oh, it'll it'll create jobs. Now <laughs> okay, the now the
0: party okay. line is get over it. Right? Yeah. Uh,
2: Yeah, I just want to make sure that you're on the record (laughs) about that because... That's you probably huge. wouldn't have
0: left here alive if, if you would have said the wrong <laughs> answer <laughs> you can tell she feels quite passionate so this well, is, w-
2: yeah. you know it really was, it, Absolutely. It, it was you', you taking from working people to fund a donor class no, we've just, all yeah. heard
3: it right no. this is the greatest uh inequality of wealth um, yeah. that we've seen in this in this country today and it's why we have chronic homelessness mm-hmm. it's why people are working it's two three jobs yep. that's why people um, keep killing themselves um, yeah. it's why we have uh, uh one crisis, of the highest yeah. suicide rates yes. not only in the country but in the military yes exactly. we have a high rate of suicides exactly. um, yeah. in the united states military now all those things need to be addressed and you know i think it goes back to what america looked like post world war ii mm-hmm. um where we had uh, a strong middle class that helped our country thrive where we had business and the middle class that worked side by side largely um uh driven by a strong labor uh class and strong unions and and over the last 20 or 30 years you know we've had we've constantly depleted that and that's Mm -hmm. where our country is today you know we have the haves versus the have-nots you know and uh and that's a dangerous place for us to be in Mm
0: -hmm. any uh any favorites so far in the presidential primary
3: you know i think we have a great field of candidates I'm really excited of the diversity in all the candidates that we have. I'm looking forward, to be quite honest, to see the cream rise to the top. you know. And I'd like to see the top-tier candidates um, start to debate some of the issues that we have. Uh, and we'll see how the November debates and the December debates, um, go, but you know, I think we have a good broad, diverse group of candidates and I'm looking forward to seeing the top ones, uh, compete.
0: Any candidates that you think should drop out and definitely not run for
3: third party bid? (laughs) You know, I'm not going to go there. I'll just, uh,
1: Andrew Yang. Screw that guy. (laughs) Just
2: Just
3: kidding. You know, it's tough to watch, uh, a, a debate when there's 12 yeah. you know candidates it's not even a debate it's a stage. circus it's it's, yeah. just it's a, a circus. free-for-all yeah. you know it's a free-for-all and they have limited amount of time to to get in you know i think as we get uh you know into november and december and of course into the new year you're going to see the the candidate field uh be reduced dramatically Hopefully. and i think we'll start to see the top tier candidates uh really be able to define themselves but i think i'm what we have right now i'm pretty excited and i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, top contender um start to separate themselves from the pack i'm still i'm still holding on hope for marianne williamson <laughs> uh so senator
1: this is something we ask all our guests uh picture if you will in this hypothetical scenario you're doing disaster training survival training you've had to bail out of the uh C-17, you said? No. C- C-17. Okay, yeah, you've, sure. You've, you've, F-15, put, you've F-15, laid yep. down I've C-17. I've flown the F-15, C-17. You
0: flew an F-15? Yeah, it is. That's so badass. Okay. Super, <laughs> super All right, so how about, this? how about this? You're you flying had- your F-15. <laughs> yeah. You just hit Mach 3. Weird problem. You're going down, but you know it's going to be a soft landing, and you're guaranteed to live. Bail out. Uh, you, you find yourself upon a desert island. Yes,
1: and fortunately... And it's not one of ours. Fortunately, you had time to throw into your survival pack one book, one movie, and one album.
3: What did you bring? Ooh, one book. Well, how about we start with the movie? Okay. Okay. Whatever order. Top Gun. Top Gun. Can top go gun. Top oh, field. Okay, that feels apropos. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. You yeah. know, I mean, who didn't like Top Gun? You know, everybody liked. I've, I've never Have seen it? it. Can I a couple movies yeah. or just one? One. Movie? One's fine. But if you I want can it. watch Top Gun over and over, okay. You know, right, right up there with Star Wars, Superman. Volleyball scene, very apropos Volleyball, for you. That's I, right. I this am very on brand. Iceman. Handsome, just like you. You know, I don't know. You think I'm Iceman or
0: am I Maverick? I think. I gotta be honest. I mean, you're running for. Political ops, you're probably maverick
1: that's right? totally maverick. Yeah. come on yeah. okay, top that's gun. not, not even up for
2: debate
1: <laughs> yeah. you don't seem to have as many uh, authority issues or issues with authority as well maverick we don't did. know we never yeah, saw his record that's true. of service
0: that's true where's your birth certificate no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, right. so okay so we got re- your movie you got a book um is it top gun the book gun, the, <laughs> a, a, a novelization of the movie top gun
1: i am dangerous, you know said, I, I have a
3: there's a lot of books out there I enjoy, but the first one that comes to mind and I could pick a bunch, Hawaii's Story by Hawaii's Queen. Um uh, written by Queen Liliuokalani um yeah. okay. and and uh as a native Hawaiian um you know that's that's a book that I can still pull off the shelf. It's written in her words. Yeah. Um her life when she was imprisoned in Iolani Palace. You know, that's a book that uh Strikes a chord with me as Native Hawaiian, so that's that's something uh, I often pull off the shelf to read. And uh, you know, as when she had her kingdom was overthrown, and she was pleading with the United States of America, and she would uh, sit on a train from San Francisco to D.C. and and watch America go by, and she described what she saw, even in the late 1800s. You know, that that's something that, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good book. And yeah. what about an album? An album? Are they? Al- do we still have albums? Yeah, we oh, have you pick a, you album can pick a, a or song. You saved your just Spotify album. playlist of. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You know, I have a, bright, a a diverse Spotify library. Okay. You know, I I enjoy uh, Fleetwood Mac. Okay. I enjoy. Um, little Dad Rock. Yeah. <laughs> you know but i'm also i'm also a product of the early 90s you know and uh some grunge. dr dre you know oh, and a little okay. bit of some okay. some that's you know good, yeah good. but uh, fleetwood mac and and uh, michael jackson the, the awesome. i'm i'm a product of the the, yeah. the 1980s yeah. and the early 1990s okay. you know and so that's Very cool. that's that's what i like to to listen to okay. often that's so good. the of lowdown <laughs> speaking speaking of uh, dr dre's
1: seminal work the chronic uh, your view Probably on not. medical marijuana slash recreational marijuana?
3: I think we should legalize it.
0: Awesome. Um, Speaking of this I think we put right Too much down. people in. I'm kidding. In,
3: uh, <laughs> I'm going <kidding>. to <laughs> pass it now uh but uh, you know, I think Politics we we put um, uh, too many people in in our in our jails uh, for um, marijuana related issues, okay. and I think that's where the where the country's going, and you know, it's a conversation we need to have. Yeah. But those are some of the big bold progressive ideas uh that need to be brought to washington dc Absolutely. you know? and and yeah. hopefully i'm one of those guys all right so last question
0: uh somebody finds himself in cd2 we start with Hilo. I think I think Hilo. Let's, n- let's narrow it down. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Do you have somebody finds themselves in Hilo and they're like, "I need a spot to grab lunch, dinner, whatever." Oh, yeah. Where are you telling them to go?
3: Lunch. Yeah. Cafe One Hundred. Gotta really go good. and have the yeah. local moco. Yeah. Awesome. Breakfast. Ken's Pancake House. Okay. okay. Insane stack of pancakes. Okay. Shout Best place probably in the state. You might even find a rock there, because his hey. family uh, owns Ken's <laughs> Pancake House. What? Uh, I didn't oh yeah, know that. did oh, you? Yeah. I didn't know that he I flies no in on his uh, Learjet just to go eat pancakes with his personal his personal gym. I would on do that. I can't imagine how much pancakes he eats, but he <laughs> does bring his personal gym. I don't know how he fits it in the jet, but uh um, you know, and you also can't not go to Hilo and try some of our poke right, and our right, local so. fish. So out Hilo Bay, Perfect. Suisan, you know, is uh, is uh, KTA. You know, I mean, it's it's that small town. You know, local style, cow cow. You know, and and uh, yeah, that's awesome. But local moko, I guarantee, would take you to Cap One Hundred.
0: Any uh, any final words?
1: Yeah, any any wisdom you'd like to
3: share with our audience? You know, this has been a journey. Um, it's not even it's not
1: even close. Oh, it's not, not even close, close to halfway. So, we're yeah. about yeah. halfway right now. Yeah. You know, okay. the election
3: is August eighth, twenty twenty, and uh, um, you know, we've been now campaigning for almost 10 months and uh, the race has dramatically changed itself in terms of uh, our fundamentals don't change, but the landscape definitely has changed. Um, You know, we just keep putting our head on and working hard and taking the message um, that I believe we've been doing for the last 10 months again to the second congressional district. You know, like I said, it's a challenging district to be in. It's never been represented by someone who resides or is representing the neighbor islands exactly. in its wow. history,
2: exactly. Wow, that's exactly. You've only had
3: one native Hawaiian um, that has served from the state of Hawaii in the United States Congress since adulthood. Mm-hmm. I think there's uh you know, there's a lot on the line for this for this um, this election, and ultimately, it's not about me. You know, it's about the people of Hawaii. It's about the district, but I also also think it's. Uh, um, I look at myself as walking in the footsteps of my father, of the people that have come before me, like Senator Akaka and others, um, to represent all the values that they had and what they stood for and what they envisioned for Hawaii. And I'm looking forward to continuing that legacy. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for what the future holds. You know, like I said, I never thought I would be in this situation less than four years ago. Never thought. And uh, um, at this juncture in my life i think the sky's the limit and and what a what a great uh, opportunity i had we'll see what happens and if
0: people want to get involved with with your campaign Thank they want you. to
3: help out how how would they do that you know first step go to our website kai i know everyone says it but we um need support we need volunteers uh, we are building a statewide grassroots campaign across eight islands and we need help. We need support. We need people who wanna um, door knock, sign wave, canvas, phone bank, make contributions, volunteer in our headquarters. Um, I'm excited about uh, this this campaign, and I'm excited about getting people excited. You know, so many people don't believe in government. So many people don't want to vote. I hear that a lot from CD2 voters. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, exactly. and, and, What's the point? Yep. And and they need. Um, to believe that somebody represents them, you know, somebody that can inspire them, somebody that embodies their values, somebody that knows what it feels like um, to to be in their shoes, and and that's the message I want to bring to um, the constituents in CD two. And and I honestly feel that I am the best candidate to represent them in the United States Congress, and that's what I intend to do come 2021
0: ladies and gentlemen kai kahele a bleeping tiger on the trail tail i know i was at this time it worked right because the tail the tail's gone the tail's now uh running for president as a third party candidate i'm sure senator Uh,
2: Senator, thank you so so much much for your
0: time yeah
3: really appreciate it
0: guys delight always a pleasure
2: it was my pleasure as well
0: all right ladies and gentlemen if you want to get involved uh facebook twitter instagram at Kaikahele or
3: Yeah, Facebook is all at at Kai Kahele. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Hit our Instagram. And uh, Imoa Hawaii. All right. Imoa Hawaii. Thanks so much, Senator.
0: Mahalo. Bye-bye.